Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, now on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, today we're going to be discussing Psyche, specifically gym Psyche. To some, Psyche plays a very big role in their workouts, competitions, meets, etc. Um, psych can mean the difference between making a lift and not making a lift. There are many variations of psych. What might work for one person may not work for the other. Uh, whatever the technique done right, psych is a deep state of altered consciousness that can, can allow the seemingly impossible to become possible. That's good. Now, Marty, you and I have had this. That's pretty good. You and I have had this conversation a bunch of times. So you've stated the the recalibrated mind improves workout performance. So you're talking about psych, right? Indeed. Uh, well, um, you know, there are different flavors of psych. Uh, Steel can address this too. You know, I initially got drawn to psych by the, uh, the, the original articles in Strength and Health by John McCollum and Bill Starr and Tommy Suggs, where they talked about Russian auto-suggestion. And basically, if you've seen any pictures of, uh, I don't know, Anatoly Pisarenko or Alexiev or Rygert or any of the top Russian guys, right before they lift, they're standing over the barbell, and they're just standing there, and they're standing there, and their hands are opening and closing a little bit. They've got their eyes closed. Well, what they're doing is they're doing auto visualization. It was a formalized technique, actually uh, invented by a guy named Dr. Aladar Kogler. And Kogler was the Iron Curtain brain train guru. And they thought that this method was so important that it was labeled a state secret. Uh, and basically, the technique is not that difficult. You just you, you, you envision yourself performing the about-to-happen lift or event. You'll even see bobsledders do it at the Olympics. You know, the, the drivers, their eyes are shut, and they're, they're moving their hands, you know, what that's, they're doing auto-visualization. So, uh, you know, I did that for, I guess, well, I probably read, first read about that when I was 14. So I did that for, I think, probably five years. Kirk does a version of that, too. Yeah. So he'll just... so. So you guys will just run that movie in your mind before that lift, and you'll just yeah. watch it happen. Well, and each time you're trying to increase the degree of clarity, the vividness, what color socks do you have on, or both your socks all the way up? Is one sock down? Uh, what is color is your T-shirt underneath your sweatshirt? Uh, okay, uh, you know, what is the position of everybody in the room? Yeah. Okay, you know, and your eyes are shut. And, and over time, over weeks, months, years, you get really good at putting yourself into the. And you know what it is? It's virtual reality, isn't it? Right. That's it, man. Your body can't tell if it's happening or not. Exactly. You know, exactly. I, I, I had a great advantage because my dad taught sports psychology at the University of Maryland for There four you years. go. <laughs> Literally, in, at boys' club football, he would come in my room, he'd have me lay down, and he would take me through a visualization exercise where he'd say feel the grass you know ah. fingertips when you're down in your stance now i'm, I'm 10 years old man yeah. I mean, we did yeah. that all the time so i knew the importance of it um you know from an early age and, and you know nobody else was doing that in addition coach claiborne who was at the university of maryland was a friend of my father's and he he did that with his team. He passed out psychocybernetics to every single player. Now, psychocybernetics. Who wrote that? Who was that? Um, I can't um, remember. Yeah. But anyway, I was aware of it at a really young age and how important it was. Uh, yeah. Now, this is a different flavor than, you know, getting uh, berserker psych. Getting fired up, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, no question. And I, Yes. So, you know, there, I think it was a guy at Temple, Oxendine, Oxendine. So he, he uh, made a chart on how psyched you need to be for each activity. Mm -hmm. And it went from golf, where you don't need to be, shouldn't be psyched at all, but the visualization and the focus works, of course, up into powerlifting, which you want to be in a blind rage. Ah. And the more linear that the motion is, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, once you have your form down, you can get freaking nuts. That's right. Um, where something like a golf swing or a baseball swing, you want to be more in a flowing state maybe or more um, you know, super-duper focused on, it, on the task. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, and even in even in in powerlifting or Olympic lifting, um, you can get over over psyched. You, no, you, you, you want to get psyched to the point that you don't lose your technique. But don't you think that it's a practice thing where oh, you hell, realize oh, how yeah. much psych you need? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And too well, early, and you're exhausted. You know, too late me, it doesn't work. Yeah. Let, let me tell you about our favorite subject, Kirk. And when he first came to me, he was, oh, God, I don't know, 17 years old. And he was a classic over-psyker wild boy, right? right. right? Just go apeshit. And, you know, I mean, I like that. I'd rather, I, I, I tell you the truth, I'd rather have a young lifter like that than, than, than somebody who's just, right. just sit, sitting there and you got to pump them up. I can't right. take that. Right. So we had to dial Kirk back. He would get so wild. Now, I used to watch him before I coached him. He came to me and said, hey, would you coach me? But before that, I would see him. And he would, I liked how deeply and authentically he psyched, but he got so crazy that on the walkout backwards in the squat, it was like, oh, my God, he'd just be like a, a free fall. Right. And he'd be, you know, dumping weights, and he couldn't get – and there was no consistency. Right. So I was like, kid, we love your psych. <laughs> However, <laughs> you know, we got to cut it back, and we've got to focus it. He – I think that Kirk – John Cuck – uh, Ed got a lot out of his psych. Uh, well, you know, the best lifters uh, had the best psychs that obviously worked the best for them. I think a, a properly harnessed psych can add meh, two and a half to five percent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to be, you know, consistent, realistic, and repeatable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the greatest examples of psych I ever saw was um, Taranenko. Uh, the most weight that's ever lifted overhead, although the, this big giant guy recently might have beat this, was 588 pounds by Taranaco. It was done in, I believe it was 1984, that might have been 88, in Australia. And the, a, an Australian came up to Taranenko, who was at that time still living in Russia, and he said, if you make this lift, I will give you $10,000. At the time, ten thousand back then was I don't know like a hundred grand. Well, especially if you're living in Russia. That's, well, that's what I'm. That's what my point. That's pretty right? good psych. <laughs> you pull that YouTube up and you look at that damn lift. I mean, this is a lift of a of a man. He is out of his head, and he's either going to make this or he's going to die. And he, if a fly had landed on that bar, it would have crashed to the floor. I mean, it it is incredible. But it was a, a great example of how extraordinary psych can lift humans to do extraordinary things. Yeah. But you can also fly apart and break yourself. Now, Marty, in Kirk's case, now he was, you know, he was a berserk kind of psych up guy. Um, Correct. But he was Correct. also doing the the, visualiza the visualizations in his mind as well. When did he squeeze that uh, in? That's, that's a good, good, that's a, that's a good damn question. Uh, we had a, we had a, a um, pretty regimented routine when we went to the nationals or, or when he went to the world first off he would always wear his walkman his sports walkman uh that would prevent conversation right secondly myself and bob and whoever else was handling kirk we would keep well wishers away right, <laughs> right. well i mean it's critically important everybody wants to come up shake sure it's a distraction get a, yeah get a picture with the champ hey champ you know just wanted to tell you you know you're really in now uh it i'm talking about if we're in the warm-up room before nationals mm -hmm. right it's like and it's like no stay away and he would walk 10 paces in one direction turn walk 10 paces in the other direction in time with the music you you could tell and he's just he's just getting into himself and into himself that's when he's doing the auto visualization right on the pacing and we're keeping everybody away and he's just getting into his quiet space not time to go crazy all right so then we start warming up still you know between warm-ups put the headphones back on do the pacing keep everybody away from them let them get back into the zone we get up to the top warm, top sets, top last warm-ups. All right, got to get a little bit of psych on. But 
and he's calm. We walk out to the chalk box. He's still calm. He's still centered. Nothing's happening. Chalk those hands. He'd look at me, you know, blah, 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 you know, and then he'd go out. And that's that instant when he always would like, you know, throw his hands down and scream. Yeah. That's the instant that he flipped from auto visualization into berserker. It's like nitrous oxide. So he was doubling up on the psych uh, techniques, and when he was doing the visualizations with his Walkman and all that, he was Mm -hmm. winding himself up like a top, and he was just getting ready to blow there before he went on. Yeah, also keeping himself uh, is a good way to keep himself under control because rookies shoot all their adrenaline just thinking about the meat. Now, just imagine the as fired up as he got, and these other guys, too, that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but having to do that how many times in a meet? Uh, nine. Nine times. Yeah. I think the timing is critically important. I mean, even a little too early, and you're exhausted when you get up there, man. You lose it. I mean, I think that's just right what he was doing, where, yeah. he's, where he's just, you know, that – see, but – you know, the thing is, is he has a lot of volume of visualization behind him. So he's yes, at the right. and he's going over yeah, and right. he's, he's seeing it happen. You know, he's he's right on the way to the workout. He's seeing it happen. I mean, it's just constant visualization. It doesn't have to be, yes. you know, so formal yes. all the time. Right. Broad on the way to the workout while he's mindlessly doing his job in the print shop. Where he's just like rep doing this, doing well. He's thinking about the bench press that he's going to do tomorrow. You know what I mean? We all do that. Really, really, really good lifters that are really into it. As soon as their minds are free, you know, their minds turn to you know the training. Yeah. And it's got to be real, doesn't it? I mean, there's no poser psych. There's it's got to be real psych. You've got to feel it deep in your in your head, deep in your body. I mean, that's cool. the only way it's going to work. I think if you do it correctly, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. That uh, because when I used to do a, a meet, I would visualize myself getting fired up. Also, you know what I mean. So it, yep. it was already happening before it happened. Yep, it's It's already happening before it's happening. And all you're doing is opening your eyes and turning the visualization into reality. Yeah, yeah. Marty, what was your your favorite form of psych? I was a good psyker. Um, Quiet. I was not not ostentatious and uh, demonstrative. I was... uh, You're you're a music psyker. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, same with me. Totally, totally internal. You wouldn't know I was psyching. Uh, till you know, at the last moment, when I put my hands on the bar, that's when it's like, oh, shit, here we go, over at the top, let's go. Right. A chalk box, pretty much. When you're in the chalk box, it's like, all right, all right, now. Yeah. You know, you get, you get, and then you're walking up, but you put your hands on, you put your, put your weak hand on, when you put your strong hand on, and bang, that's it, it's on. But it was precious. It's a finite, so you want to be very, very stingy. Like, I wouldn't waste as much. Well, I don't know, I don't know about that. Um, it's, you want to have something left for the ninth lift. Right. You can blow your wad in your first squad, I guess. I mean, that's, you know, like, like an MMA guy gassing out in the first right. minute and a half. <laughs> right. It's just you can do it. You really can. You can burn through it. If you're if you're on turbocharged with nitrous oxide, you can blow through your uh, your available adrenal. I mean, you have a horn. It's a hormonal component to it that when the the adrenaline kicks off the hormonal cocktail. But there's about five different hormones that when a, an effective psych is launched, these hormones flood the bloodstream. And all of a sudden, you are literally altered. Right. So I, I was pretty much like you, an internal psyker that used music. And I'm telling you, on a good day, you it, sometimes a song will just hit you. And it could have been a song that you've listened to for 20 years. But that particular day, you'll find this song and you'll go, there it is. And you can... Br- I, I used to be able to just sit there before a set, a heavy set, and just I could I could raise goosebumps on my arms. You just get that much into it with the song, and maybe 
you know, I usually drink coffee or whatever before I go in. All that combined with that state of mind, you just get fired up. And I wasn't, you know, pacing around or throwing stuff, cussing people out, doing anything crazy like that. I was internal just like you. But, man, when I got under that weight, I just exploded. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, what was your song? We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters. <laughs> It was Adler. That was uh, no. That was number. <laughs> that was my Queen. second choice. No, I, you know what? I I look. I grew up in the eighties. It's all the uh, the Van, Van Halen, Halen the Metallica. <laughs> you say eighties, and everybody's a Van Halen. Yep. You know the hair bands, and that was the music that always got you fired up with the heavy guitar and all that. It's perfect for working out. So well, Kirk, Kirk. Let slip that, and this is this is perfect. That his his favorite band was Motley Crue. It's like okay, perfect, yeah, yeah, of course. I thought he liked Kiss. Shh. <laughs> you know, you Come up. on, man, you're not that's that's Come on. closely held information. Let's <laughs> turn on to another subject, please. Uh, all right, and then and then um, Jim. So the can, can I ask a question? Yeah, again? yeah. Uh, now. Uh, we both played football. Did, did you find that the football psych was different than the lifting psych? Yes. Um, what I used to do, I, I learned the hard way that I would I would get so fired up so early that I would be exhausted by the time I got to the game. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, when I, so one day, you know, I'd be, you know, and, and, and I, I think a lot of football teams still do this. It's like a morgue starting at breakfast on game day. Mm-hmm. You know, so what it is is it gets these kids too fired up too soon, and and yeah. I think you know you should be broad and then going to more narrow as the game gets closer. But anyway, I learned my lesson because we were late for a game in college, and we sort of had to get right off the bus and go on the field, and we didn't have time to sit there and and you know think about what we're going to do and all this and get all tense. I had my best game I ever had, and so after that I started to realize that the work that I'd put in during the week. You know, in practice and at night, you know, I'd start like a Wednesday night where I'd sit in the room. I'd go through those exercises that my dad taught me. So I was really ready to go by Saturday. I didn't need that extra. It's like all it was doing was exhausting me. Um, so, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, Back up. So you're Saturday. Saying, oh, no, no, no. Wait, hold on. I want to understand this. So did you throw your dad's stuff away? No. I, I. You know what? I don't think we ever really talked about you know, how, when you should start getting fired up, um, until later on, I think, I think I had to discover it. And then I asked him, what was your, what was your, um, what was your takeaway from this? So you stopped doing any mental early. So I had so much of it, like I said before, volume of visualization behind me that I was already fired up enough when I got to the game, I didn't need to get, you know, sit, sit in the, the, uh, pregame meal and get more fired up and more fired up. I was just making myself exhausted. Yeah, well, that's a little too far out, but right. I, but I at some at some it. point you want to turn it on. Yeah, but you know what I found was it's more of almost like a martial arts thing, where you you flow, uh, you sort of let people take them the way you know you, you don't. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you you flow more when you when you are prepared mentally, right? Without well, getting too fired up. Yeah, ah, okay. Now that's interesting. So, but what is proper prepared mentally? I have, it's actually a rhetorical question. I think the proper prepared mental state for that type of a situation is the the blank alert state. Yeah. You know, they, not with, uh, you, you can't, you can't be talking to yourself and getting centered and psyched. You can't have a separate conversation going on, wondering what you're going to have for dinner or, you know, right. what's going on with your sister. Or did you make the car payment while you're trying to get like you have to. And yeah. I, I think that the that the successfully altered mental state is characterized by it's mental silence, but it's electric. It's vibrant. It's like, uh, you know, how in when you're hunting, Jim. And all of a sudden, boom, it jumps up on you, right? Mm-hmm. You just, your instinct takes over. That gun goes up, bang, bang, bang. I mean, you know, you're on it. Right. That's the kind of electric alertness right. that, that I'm looking for and that we want to call on and can be cultivated. Yeah. Jim, what was the uh, 
preferred song in the locker room uh, pregame? I do. I, I, I think you had rules. You had to have a Walkman. You could have your own music. Oh. Have, we which always – we, and this is probably typical across the country, you know, in a lot of schools, but we always played uh, ACDC, Hell's Bells. That was always the getting fired up football song. The boombox boom box in the corner. Yeah. That's it. You know, we're talking about the football thing, but then – even in powerlifting, it was a timing thing, just like Marty was saying before. Because when I first started, I would get so fired up. I would be drenched. I'd be changing shirts before I did my last warm-up. You know? <laughs> right. And then I realized, you know, because then I started training with Rob Wagner, and I'm like, when's he going to start getting fired up? Oh, and God, he yeah. never got fired up when he squatted. Yeah. I was like, what's the deal? And he said, oh, it's all inside me. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, look, man, I went to a meet. And I, he used to bang his head on the bar and all that shit. And then he saw Ed Cohn, and Ed, you know, was boiling inside, but he just, you know, didn't, didn't yell, didn't scream, didn't call attention to himself. They yep. lifted 900 at, at 218. So Rob said, you know, it's the best. And guess, and guess who his coach was that day? Was it Kirk? Oh, no, it was you, wasn't uh, <laughs> I know it was you. Um, you know, you're the best lifter in the world is going to act like that. I'm going to act like that. And so that's that. It took a while to get used to that because I was coming from hanging yeah, around. Yeah, but you know, on the other hand, Jimmy, a lot of people love Kirk's beautiful demonstrative site oh, no, where he'd get out there and be, man, they, they'd love that shit in Europe, man. Those people would stand up when they saw him come out. No, you they don't have to what works for you with that, right? Right. Sean Scully said Kirk was easily the most exciting lifter he ever saw in action. He was, man. I'll tell you what, he was electric. He got out on that bar and grabbed a hold of that bar and said, yeah, and man, yeah, he knew it, it was time that, to kick some ass. That, and that's the instant he shifted from right. auto-visualization that's the to switch. berserker. Yeah, that's the switch. That's like, okay, let's go. And it's got, well, however long it takes to do a single rep, what, 10 15 well i mean more than that he's got to walk it out set it up blah 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 so maybe less than 30 seconds though but he's got to do that nine times so immediately as soon as that lift is over he really 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 doesn't can't get jacked up and 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 celebrate and that's a hard thing because everybody (laughs) wants yeah 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 and it's like okay okay come on okay just calm down calm down put your headphones back on Okay, go in the corner, chill, and you get, get something to drink here. What do you want? And, you know, and that's how you handle the lifter. You keep them isolated. It's just too yeah. easy to get involved in. You don't want interaction with people when you're trying to get your psych on. Hey, right. Marty, tell me, tell me if you've ever seen. So I was, uh, I was actually a, a meet and Laurel at the boys club. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready to squat, and... <clears throat> Rob Wagner was handling me, and I he grabbed my earlobes and started rubbing them. Yeah, it's a European thing. And so buddy. I go, so I now I'm not, I don't really like people touching me. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, man, what the f are you doing, dude? He goes, oh man, I saw I saw the Russians or the Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And get you rid. I said it's irritating the shit out of me. I really don't want you touching me. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, then in uh, that's uh, a Russian prison thing to for be my girlfriend. Nice. Nice. But, I, but I mean, what's it do? Is it just to piss you off, or it's does a, it it's a bunch of relax your central nervous system or something? Or your, you know what I mean? <laughs> it probably works. Yeah, it probably does. But again, just you know, get away from me, please. All right. Since we're listen, since we're on these techniques, all right, Marty, you've seen it all, I think, or heard it all. Let me let me let's go over a couple of things here because. Uh, you know where all the bodies are buried. You've told me some uh, pretty interesting psych techniques, <laughs> and I mean, a lot of it yeah. includes violence uh, and everything uh, else. So I mean, it's okay. uh, some yeah, of it's pretty interesting. Go. All right, listen, you got to tell the Dave Jacoby story. All right, well, okay. What now? Wait a minute. Now, Dave, let me see. Dave, the, the, the face oh, yeah, slap. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Well, let me uh, let me give a brief history of powerlifting psyching. Okay, because it, it went in stages. The, the and history it, of psych. The history of powerlifting psych, which is, right, again, okay. as Jim pointed out, it's like, I think powerlifting is akin to drag racing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like one all out. We yeah. have 10,000 10, horsepower. We're going 1,320 feet. 
in a straight line. We don't need our damn curves. We're just yeah, going like that. bang straight, yeah. and it's short, right? Power base, all out, right? So let's just go fucking crazy. So you can do that in powerlifting. And initially, when they figured it out, initially, well, with Cassidy, when under Hugh, I came up under Hugh, and he was like a Zen psyker. He had a thing where he could like uh, he'd like flip his hands forward like in a Tai Chi start position, and he'd do three exhale cooling breaths. <sighs> And then by the third one, the hairs on the back of his arms would stand straight up and he'd have goosebumps all over his body and be like, what the hell? And he would routinely lift 50 more pounds in competition than he did in training in all three lifts. It's crazy, right? But he was just this great natural Zen psyker. Uh, now wait a minute. Let me ask you real quick. Sorry. Um, yeah. Did he do that in uh, in workouts as well, or only in in meets? The big stuff. Just the, the big, big stuff. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Something that something that, that scared us. You know, if it scares you, you like, well, okay, okay, you got to get serious on yeah. this. Right. You know, five hundred. You know, okay, that'll hurt you. Yeah, you got to have insurance. Yeah. So, uh, but then when the first big breakthrough is the face slap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know the face slap, right? And they just, uh, the power lifters were, they just were broke ground on this thing and they just would just slap the hell out of each other. At You know, you'd chalk up, you're ready to walk on, the, on up to the bar and the guy would just crack you across the face and that's, uh, makes you alert, I guess. I'm, I'm, I was never a face, face slapper and I never was a face slappy. I didn't like it, but all my buddies were into it and man, I saw some. I saw some beatdowns, man. I saw some big ass guys whack some little ass lifters and just knock them to their knees. And it's like, oh, you know, they do much. that. You know, they have uh, face slapping competitions now. You ever seen that? Oh, I love that. I love that. The Russians, <laughs> the Russians are on the forefront of everything yeah. gruesome. I love that. So anyway, that was the first breakthrough. So then, after the face slap uh, came, uh, you know, in our neighborhood, the. Baltimore dock workers, their breakthrough was the board, and they had a two by four section. I don't know, maybe two two and a half feet long. These were some tough ass guys. Rob, uh, Bob Rude, uh, uh, what was his little name? Anyway, a bunch of top top level guys. Uh, and the board, they carried the board around in the gym bag to a meet, and they take the board out. And the guy would assume like a stance, like you know how you know how we would get in a huddle, Jim, everybody'd be down and you know, hands on the knees. Yeah. They'd assume a stance like that and project their forehead ahead, and then their training partner would haul off and crack them right in the forehead with the board. Nice. Right? And a pow. So so that got traction. Jeez. So the board got traction and, and the board there was one meet, I think it was the nineteen eighty junior nationals in Richmond. Yeah. I believe it was Richmond and uh, Doug Borden famously uh, knocked his training partner out with the board. Uh, locally, I saw that the like the, the the coach of the longshoremen from Baltimore was a guy named Popeye, and he was about I don't know fifty five years old. And he looked like Popeye. He was just a bad mofo. Yeah. And he hit uh, he hit one of their guys across the head with the board and knocked him out. And, uh, okay, well, let me finish. So he knocked him down and he turned to the head referee and he said, um, Johnny's going to pass this attempt. <laughs> and his training partners dragged him off. Oh yeah. Oh. And then after the board came the, uh, head slam on the center knurling. Yes. Yes. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, yeah, that was very popular guys. Yeah, there was actually, blood with that one. Yeah. Yeah, they had to stop that. That's when it, that when the blood came is when the uh, officials stepped in and they they put their foot down on the psyching because these guys. Oh man, Willie Bell, uh, he could he could launch his head from two feet from a barbell and he'd hit that thing and shatter like a coconut, be like blood whoosh, squirting out, and he would get so and this and then he'd squat like some world record, you know, eight eighty or some shit. I mean, it with, was with, incredible with a flap of his forehead hanging down, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd have like they develop like calluses. That yeah. is nasty. You know how sharp that knurling is in the center. I mean, yeah. you got to be a man to do it. I yeah, mean, that's that's, right. t- that's yeah. like a cheese grater. Well, yeah, in California, they probably don't have too much well, of it. But here in Pennsylvania, and we do, yeah. 
If you started bleeding in California, you got tons of towels. You know. <laughs> Now, no, now, no, wait. Man, so, was, wait a minute. That was, that was the end of that. Okay, so wait a minute. So that ends. They outlaw all this stuff. Yeah, now, yeah. what? So, what's the popular psych technique you know, a of slap, today? Slap back, slap on the shoulder, on the back. back. Yeah, that's what I see too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that could, just something. They, we, they started over again. Yeah, they started from I the used beginning. To do that to like, we'd have a max night for football, and a kid who who wasn't expecting it at all, you just give him a little bit on his low back or his neck, you know right before he goes out and it irritates him enough and pumps him up just enough you know, to get it going without yeah. saying, you know, without having to concentrate on the pain too much, you know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. No so bull that. whips, no bull whips back in your day, Marty. No, <laughs> but I tell you what, I tell you what, I use psych to this day. Uh, I can't not imagine uh, lifting without altered mindset. First of all, off within the first set of warming up in one of the major lifts my hormone i've crossed the hormonal threshold i'll take that weight i'll take that 135 or 95 or whatever that warm-up weight is and i'm going to rep it until i feel my hormonal threshold is crossed and i feel that stuff coursing into my system the endorphins the adrenaline all yeah. of it right yeah, yeah. Then at that point, and I got my music on, and of course for you, Jim, you know I'm listening to some Coltrane impressions, 1965 free jazz, oh. you know stuff that you love. Oh yeah, right. we share a lot of that. Miles, Jim and I share a lot of miles together, and yeah, oh, stuff like love that. It. Uh, but I get zoned in, and from the time of the first set till the last rep of the last exercise, I'm completely in the zone. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in, I'm meditating. Yeah. I'm in an altered state. It's fantastic. Yep. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, and you've written a few articles about that and it's a huge part of your book. Oh, but, uh, you know that, and I, and I always love that you say it doesn't have to be cross-legged, you know, in the Lotus position, no, or whatever no, to no, achieve, no, no, you know, we've been doing this for, for 30, 40, 50 years of meditating for an hour a day, six days a week, just because it wasn't formally called meditation. It was our, our form of meditation. If you know what the, uh, you know, what a uh, Samadhi experience is or a Kensho experience is, then you understand when you experience it elsewhere, you go, oh, that was a Samadhi experience. So that's a Kensho experience. Mm. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I didn't realize till many, many 20 years into the deal that these states that we were achieving through intense progressive resistance were actually forms of advanced meditational states. We just didn't, re we didn't recognize them for that. They, we, just, we just had the workout afterglow. Yes. Right. But that was when we were at our best. That's when our head's the clearest. We're stress-free. We've knocked all the garbage out of our head that we took into the workout. You never have that stuff coming out of the workout. If the workout's been decent, it knocks it right out of you. That's what keeps us coming back. Yeah. Right? And right. isn't it amazing after you've been through all that psych and a uh, you know a really um, just a really grueling workout, you come out of your workout feeling so optimistic, like maybe problems yes, that you yes, had, yes, maybe yes, problems yes. you had coming into the gym aren't so bad coming out of the gym. You know, there's no question. I mean, I even respect. You ride that I ride bike first thing in the morning, and that shit's gone. And then when you work out, it goes. You know, you don't even have any thoughts. You know, to just have no mind for that whole time, uh, for that, that you know, that handle in your hand and that bicep that's working, and uh, you know, and be inside that muscle, and, and uh, you know, just totally. And that's you know, that's why I I was I just giggle, man. People are just just continuing. So they're people are continuing their day. You see, my day's over. That's that is my. It's a different part of the day. That's that's you know separate from the day. People are talking and bullshit. They're continuing the day. There's no specialness about the uh, you know the training. It's exactly because for you it's as much psychological as it is physiological. Mm, no question. Yeah. Well, for them it isn't. No, for, the, for them, they just they just if they're riding the stationary bike, they're just moving their legs while they text or take phone calls or whatever. You know, they're multitasking. It's like yeah. multitasking is the enemy of concentration and uh, artistic 
expression and you know everything we hold near and dear you know uh, we're not we're not accountants also the intense exercise short circuits the brain it gives the overheated mind which is a muscle it takes it offline it allows it to rest mm. and in that rest period that's when it regenerates and all the circuits get a lot chance to you know calm down and cool off a little bit then when they come back online you know post workout they're like they come back on and it's like everything's clearer right. and, and 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 that's why it's so important for us to teach this type of training to normal people they don't never get to the degree of intensity that we exert. They all stay down at that 70 to 75 to maybe 80% level. Well, that's not enough. Right. You've got to get over that 90, 95, 100% effort in order to, you can do it safely, in order to trigger the hormonal release, which is everything. Mm -hmm. If you're not training hard enough to secrete endorphins to get your adrenaline running, it's got to be a little element of, of danger in there, okay? Come on. That's resistance training. You know, that's what we do. And, and without that, it's, you're never going to realize the, the transformative benefits that we get from it physical and psychological yeah you, you never realize the, the mental escape either like like jim was saying you know we can go in that gym and we're so fired up and focused that we escape we don't have any problems we we take a mental vacation for about an hour and it feels good it feels good to just rid yourself of all that when you walk in the doors of that gym and you know just well, get to get it this, get this like a uh, th uh, theoretically, that's the state of mind a Zen monk walks around in 24 7. Right. Right. So, I, my uh, particular area of interest has been well, once we establish that state, what can we do to extend it? <laughs> right. You know, okay, you're coming off the workout, and it's like, well, why not stay? I call it the glow state. Mm -hmm. Why not stay in there? I mean, because this is when I'm doing my best stuff. I come in and stand right in that state. Yeah, said, yeah, but don't you, uh, Marty, can you, can you get the same kind of feeling? Maybe not on the intense level, but a, uh, a similar feeling when you, when you are writing and your hand is just moving and the words are coming out of your fingers. Yes. 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 Similar, man. It's, it's pretty similar, right? Yeah. But it doesn't have the physical Right. The physical no, no, component. No. It is missing but, that component, but that that mindset where it's the yeah, it's it's the electric alertness. That's that's when the ideas come in. My my father said I never learned a thing listening to myself talk. Yeah, and it's the same thing with your mind. If you just listen to your mind over and over, nothing new occurs because you already know it. It's in your mind. You know it. The only way that you get new ideas is you have to shut off that conscious mind and into that blank openness. That's when the new stuff pops up. Like I get the best when I go to the woods. I go. You have your bike in the morning. I go to the woods. I go at dawn, weather permitting, and I run out there. And I mean, it's just incredible. And I'm either blank or I have some incredible idea that, that just forces its way to to the forefront of my consciousness. That's how I write my books. Yeah. I write the my books in the in the woods. <laughs> yeah, right. While you're while you're exercising. Yeah. Same thing. Uh hunting. And that's why yes. I you know, yes. somebody else can go with me. I'm going anyway. Yes. That's my dog and I in this blissful state. Yes. That you can't duplicate, man. It's just it's crazy. Do you guys now, as uh, both of you guys being coaches, do you ever talk to your your uh, the people that you're training about this this altered state of mind and everything you're talking about now and yeah, how to extend serious. that if they're serious? So yeah, I can tell. I can always yeah. tell a kid who was ready, ready for that next level, and it's few and far between. But when they are, you start giving, and they show that much interest, you start giving out all these back these uh, little tricks of the trade that will help them. You know. Honestly, man, anybody can squat 400, 500. You know, when you get into that, you know, Hawaii wave stuff, all this stuff yeah. is imperative. Yeah, yeah, you have to have it. You can make uh, somebody is dumb. Like, you may say, oh, that guy's not smart, and look how strong he is. No, he's smart in what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's figured it out mentally what he's supposed mm -hmm. to do. Yeah, and, and I just think that it's a, it's a learned skill. Yeah. You get better at it with time and practice. And... With lifting, you get a lot of practice. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, so the takeaway should be if in your own lifting, uh, and what we should tell our guys is that uh, save save the big psych for the top set yeah. or the top sets. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, don't waste it on the warm-ups, please. You know, we don't need to practice psych in the warm-ups. Just save because you're going to get enough top sets during the course of a workout anyway. That's enough. But you can practice your auto-visualization or just maintaining a quiet mindset while listening to some music. Uh, if you're listening to music, you can't be engaged in conversation. That's what we like. I don't like conversation. Conversation means give and take, right? It's, I have to, that's not what I'm looking to do right now. Right now, I'm looking to either be completely mentally silent or I want to be on the 550 for five deadlift. Yeah. Uh, please, not, you know, I don't want to, anything else I can't do. And and, and so you, when you are working out, even if it's, uh, you know, whatever, 45 pounds, reserve the psych for the top set uh, and and try to elevate. I mean, I mean, literally, you, you, you need to get yourself psyched up and not in a pretend way. Uh, and you can do it quietly. You can do it internally. You can do it with uh, forced breath. Uh, you can do it with movement. Um, but you, you, you've got to take your game to the next level and start with the visualization because that's an easy easy thing to to practice. That also ties in with what we call in the Zen Shikantaza, the breath counting thing, where you're just you're doing a repetitive task to give your to occupy your mind <clears throat> rather than having your mind your central nervous system burn out thinking about uh, thinking about what's happening. So, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to prematurely uh, blow your supply right. of psych. Right. Yeah. It's there. It's, it's, you're sitting in a warm room and it's there. And that's that quiet mindset. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's just not at the forefront yet until you start chalking up and there it is. Bam. Now we're ready. I, th- yeah. I think one of the most interesting takeaways from this conversation so far, like Marty, you were just saying how you prolong that that Zen experience, you know, that that state of mind when you get done and you go you use that to improve your writing and all that. You know, there's a there's a lot of things we can take away from the psych and the, the mental focus and everything that we've developed in the gym to use it outside the gym for our occupations for the different things we do, especially if you're a business owner, you know, if you're a business owner, you're, you know, and you don't necessarily have to be a business owner, but you're working long days. Maybe, you know, maybe you're a first responder or doing all kinds of stuff. This, the takeaway that we get from the discipline in the gym and the mindset in the gym is just incredible how you can apply it to other things in your life in a positive way. Stress is the killer stress the number one stress reliever is intense physical exercise i mean god don't you just feel freaking great after a workout man yeah that's why, that's why we keep doing it man yeah. that's what so keeps bringing us back for more it's so addictive. that that and improvement your your body improves right <laughs> you know it's like wow okay well you know you know that's when good. you when you see Medi- your body meditating and getting bigger biceps when you yeah. see your body getting getting bigger getting into better shape looking better you go in the gym you're stronger that week it doesn't it amp you up even more sure it just adds to it and amplifies it that's right yep because you're getting results we we strive toward gargantuanism yes (laughs) yes we do most of us settle for nothing less what uh Let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's get into some uh, crazy stuff. What can be more fun or crazier than getting hit in the head and knocked unconscious <laughs> on two by four? I, okay. Well, exactly. Well, but how do you how do you top that? One of your stories I always got a kick out of, and I mean, you did an article on this, and I mean, it's really funny. But it was you were you were out of your comfort zone for sure in this situation but you had to do it you you took one for the team talk about this, uh dave jacoby 
Oh, oh, I thought you were going to talk about one of my marriages. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> one of them? How Stop. many was there? Well, that's we'll that's a whole that episode. That, that's episode. none of your business, JP. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Dave. What year was that? Um, Dave was the greatest 242-pound lifter in the world. We went to... Uh, 1991 World Championships in Orebro, Sweden. I was a one of three coaches for the United States. Uh, we took a full team over, and we took medical staff, uh, Dr. Dick Herrick, his wife Stella, all the uh, uh, USPF officials. We stayed in Sweden for 13 days, and uh, we had nine, I was one of, we had two athlete coaches. Sean Scully was the, the, the head coach and the numbers coach. And he would stand out front and he would uh, do the strategy based on what the other lifters were doing. Myself and Bob Fortenball were the, were the backstage lifter coaches. And we'd split the team in half. And one day I would take five lifters and Bob would take four. The second day I would take four and he would take five. And on the heavy day, this is a pretty good coaching day. I had uh, at 242, I had Dave Jacoby. Then after I finished Dave, I had Kirk at 275. Right. So that was my afternoon. <clears throat> so, uh, and Kirk, that was that was the first year Kirk won the world title. Hmm. He took second year before in Finland. I didn't make the trip, and he lost by five pounds. I kicked myself in the ass because I felt certain I would have been worth the five pounds had I made the trip to Finland. Uh, but I didn't. So this year I did make it and Kirk crushed. So that alone was worth the trip. But I handled Dave at 42 and um, Dave liked to get his face slapped. <laughs> and he, re you know, Dave requested me as his coach and I wanted to coach Dave, but man, I was not comfortable with that. I just, you know, you know, I never. And I have small piano player hands anyway. I'd like to add that quickly. Uh, but I have ex excellent prestidigitation. So anyway, so we were out for the first attempt in the squat. And um, oh, and I'd seen Dave in action at the, at the national championships. And Dave had it. His coach was a guy named Pep Wall. And, and Pep and Dave, they were like a rock-solid, great team. I don't know, what did Dave win? Seven nationals in a row. And Pep was his coach, but Pep didn't like to travel. So he didn't go on international trips. So I handled Dave in Sweden. And on the first attempt, he's, uh, and Dave is a sweet guy, but he could turn into Frankenstein in a heartbeat. So he said, okay, Marty, lay it on me. <laughs> so I... You know, and we're in front. Oh, oh! And first, we walk out in, a, in front of Sweden, and he's the defending world champion. And they all start booing and hissing, and they had the uh, horns. They had these weird horns, and they blow these horns uh, when they didn't like you. And so we're at the chalk box, and you know, these screaming Swedish look like the Waffen SS, you know, out there. And we're like up there, and Dave says, "Lay it on me, Marty," and I wave back and hit him, and he nothing. It was like crickets. And he's like looking at me like, you know, oh, and when I hit him, I think my hand bounced off his face. And this is in front of everybody, right? Oh, yeah. This is in front of the world. And and then like people around me and in the crowd, they started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, look at this sissy American champion and his sissy coach. They cannot even hit you. Know? So Dave says, come on, Marty, this is for real. <laughs> So I laid back, man, I cracked him so hard. I mean, and I turned his head around, and he had a, a looked like a waffle iron on his face. It hit him when I hit him, left palm print on He's like, thank you, Marty. And, and he went out and did, you know. It didn't end well because he tore a peck on this opening bench press. And so, no, second bench press. He made his first bench press. The second bench press, he tore his pec badly, and we don't, and then he had to deadlift. So we didn't. We stopped the face slapping when the injury occurred. But I had to hit him four four times, and uh, the next day my hand swole up like a catcher's mitt. He was fine. He was like, "Oh, thank you for helping me." Wasn't he Thanks. just like a really cool, polite guy? 
Yeah, he was the best. But he was a monster, though. He had quite a physique. He was a big dude. He's one of these guys that had ultra-wide shoulders and like a 30-inch waist, but he weighed 250, right? It's freaky small waist, and then so his shoulders and his legs... <laughs> Uh, and and he got really good technically. He was a really really good technician. He was a, a a really good model in terms of technically how he approached his lifting. And he never got beat. Nobody ever beat him. He always won. He never set a world record, but he always won. Crazy. Never set a world record. He you know if you go to YouTube, there's a few good videos of him. They're kind of old and grainy, but um, you can see. I think he's got some deadlifting and some squatting. And um, oh, he was so great. Check he that was out. Great. Talk yep. about yep. talk about. Uh, by the way, after that incident, did you ever slap anybody again? No, thank God. No. And he no. didn't call I, you back. I, I, the... I, did, I did call somebody else over. If somebody said, "Hey, Marty, slap me." I'd say, uh, "Bob, come here." Bob, this guy wants you to slap his face. Now, Bob's six foot three and three hundred pounds. He'll knock you to your knees. Slap yeah. him, Bob. No, here's a real slap. Bob, step in here. You're my, uh, <laughs> what do they call it when the Hollywood, you know, when the real guy steps out and the other guy steps in? A double? Yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob's my slap double. Get in here, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Well, so no slapping at the pole barn. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you do. <laughs> Probably yeah. a few guys down there um, need slaps, huh? No, no, no. These guys are all, uh, they're, they're, they're good. Uh, I think you've got them dialed They're all in. motivated. They're all motivated. That's Martin, the thing. Do you, do you, do you, when's the last time you got really fired up? Well, uh, sir, well, let me see. When was my last competition? My last competition was when I was 65. That was a deadlift? Or- no, I went to do a full competition, and I went after national records. I was, uh, it was 65. I weighed 205. Uh-huh. And I squatted raw, no belt, 450, bench 280, and deadlifted 540. Yeah. So you got fired no, up. No belt. Uh, I got I got um, my last deadlift, which was a national record. I, I did a corkscrew, and mm-hmm. it just screwed up my oblique muscles. Man, they had to pull me. They had to set me down and pull me up off the bench, and I only had – I made two two deadlifts, but man, they were they were gruesome. So yeah. after that, it was like, okay, you know, enough of this. Is but that the that, one we? Is that the one we have pictures of of you deadlifting? I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, that's uh, probably Australia where I won uh, IPF World Masters. No, this was like when you were sixty five. I think I think that's the one. You yeah, were at some local gym yeah, or something. Anyway. Well, Regardless, uh, I get psyched up in the gym. Though I do, I don't get psyched up to the. Well, you know, I do. I make it a point to to take it personal when it's yeah, time to be that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, my psych in competition really wouldn't be my psych procedure would not be any different. The only thing that is different is when people are watching. That takes my game to the next level because mm-hmm. normally I lift alone. Right. So when I have other eyes on me, it's like, oh, you know, and then I'm good for 20% more. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, two, 225 for reps is all I handle here. But when I go over, you know, work with the boys, I'm handling 285. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because people are watching. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's very easy for me to, to get in a good headspace at this point. And again, I, I try to carry it on to other creative projects. I have an advantage that I don't have a lot of interaction with humanity. Um, so I can roll from one, you know, I can go from writing to running in the woods to lifting to playing a piano. Play, yeah, I play piano. Uh, but I also I play piano with a blank mind. I don't read music. Well, I do read music, but I don't purposely don't read music because I don't want to. And but and my morning session is always an intuitive. Uh, that's the blank page session, right, Jim? Yeah. You know, that's the best one. The afternoons are reserved for rewrites. Uh, that's when I do my uh, second. You know, good writings and the rewriting. That's when I do that. So I have two writing sessions a day. 
I get into cooking. I, you know, I love to cook, right? So right now we're into uh, smoking. We smoke meat every day. <clears throat> so that's what we try to do. But again, when your time's your own, you can do this stuff. When you're in the real world, it's tough. Yeah. Right? You guys got to deal with people. Oh, my God. Marty, what about uh, Mark Chalet? How did he get fired oh. up? Mark was a good psyker when you could get him off the phone or out of the lawn chair. <laughs> <laughs> when it was time to go, he was like a bull. He was like uh, he was like a Brahma bull, right? You know, one of the, I mean, he was just ferocious. It was just like, and you'd lean in and you'd, uh, you'd give him his ammonia snort and he'd do three inhales. Each one would be successively deeper. And that third one, boy, you better be out of the way or you're going to be like a rodeo clown getting flung. Right. Cause here he comes. And let me tell you, when that boy was on the move, he was a load. Oh Lord. And you said that he used to uh, snap four of those things at the same time and huff them in. <laughs> oh yeah, four. We put them in. Um, we put them in a uh, a bottle that had previously held uh, supplements, and we'd have the top on, and then we'd break oh. them up and put them in there, and then we'd open the top, and he'd snort, 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 and then he'd turn and attack the barbell. Man, he could rip a barbell, boy. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he was uh, five nine, two eighty. Another one with uh, narrow waist. He looked like a felt like a silverback gorilla. Had sh- mm-hmm. kind of short legs, long arms, biggest hands I've ever seen in a man his height. Just c- incredible hands. What about Mark Dimaduck? Did he do anything crazy, or he was just a big fan of? Uh, oh no, Mark Dimaduck was great. No, he was great. Yeah, he was. Um, he had a, a crazed streak in him. I remember one time he would have, he went through a period where we'd go over to his house. Where was he in? Suitland. You know Suitland, Jimmy? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we was in a rough section, right? Yeah. And he's a DC cop. So you know how well they liked him in the neighborhood. So uh, he would have a training group. He, he was also Monday. Monday was his training day, Monday at four o'clock. And uh, at his peak, he'd have one of his boys, when he took the bar out of the squat rack and was set up, the kid would come up from behind and put earmuff earphones on him. Yeah. And the cord would hang out the back so he could squat listening to ACDC yeah. or April, Rain, whoever was top at top volume. And he and then when he was finished his reps, the kid was expected to come in, reach in, take the headphones back off before he walked back in. <clears throat> One time the kid was slow. I was there when the kid was slow on the walk back in. Oh my God! I thought Dimaduck. I thought it was going to be a, a murder. Yeah, but he couldn't uh, he, do it in the meat. He couldn't have that on in the meat. No, it was it was so egotistical, maniacal, crazy. Uh, you know, county craziness. Oh my God! Yeah, I yeah. We won't tell you some of the other stuff that went on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how about anybody else? Anything other? Any other crazy incidents or uh, examples you want to mention? I think we wore it out pretty good. Yeah, I think we wore it out. That was good. All right. All right, check out Marty's weekly column and podcast, Raw with Marty Gallagher, at ironcompany.com. Most of you are now hearing us on iTunes and Spotify, so thank you. Marty and Jim are available for online training and seminars. You can reach them by emailing marty at ironcompany.com or jim at ironcompany.com. Also pick up Marty's book, Purposeful Primitive. You can also find that on our site. And you can visit Iron Company for all your gym flooring and equipment needs. We've currently got great deals on urethane dumbbells, rubber hex dumbbells, bumper plates, kettlebells, Olympic bars, you name it. We've also got the the famous uh, Karwaski-approved power bar on there, so check that out. And finally, new Jim Steele articles can be found on our articles section. Go to the top of our site where it says articles and click on there. You can search for that bodybuilding one over. What's it on? Yeah, so this is going to be on bodybuilding. 
Yeah, some basics of bodybuilding for people getting started. Some questions. Oh, uh, like uh, all, I mean, like nutrition, lifting, and it's more cardio. About set up your program, how to perform lifting. the sets, and all lifting. That. Right, right, right. Jim's Pacing. got yeah. Jim's got good variety because he's a competitive uh, bodybuilder, was a p- competitive uh, powerlifter, and you know, former strength coach at. Uh, University of Pennsylvania. So and and still routinely getting down to sub five percent body fat percentiles. I mean, still in the game. Yeah. So he gives us some, at, at some how great info. Fifty-seven. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. That's right. Fifty-one. Yes. Yeah. Wrong side of fifty. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah. You're. So you've got a lot to uh, draw from, and you really sent us some good material. Um. But aren't, other, we have, aren't we going to have Brad on at some point and Kirk and uh, we want to get uh, Phil Wagner on here too. Okay, so, so yeah, we're going to be having Phil Scarito on here, uh, Brad Gillingham, Kirk Kowalski. Wait a minute. Nobody said nothing about Scarito. Yeah, we're going to have Scarito on. So he's, oh, he's no. our kettlebell guy. So stay tuned. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Do, but do we have Brad penciled in yet? Uh, in probably about two or three weeks. Good. Okay. Let's make it on um, deadlift and back. Sure. Yeah. That's a specialty. Keep, yeah. Keep it narrow to that because can, we can talk easy hour on that. All right. Well, good deal, guys. We're going to end it there. Thank you. All right. That was a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.